0: Welcome to Your Cathedral Podcast, a podcast from the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information on our church, please visit yourcathedral.org. Lord Jesus Christ, meet us here in the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. Show us who you are, and Lord, heal us of our sins. And Lord, let your word be preached with boldness heard with attentiveness, and obeyed with readiness, that we may be with and become like our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, y'all. For those who do not know me, my name is Hunter Myers. I'm the student ministry director here at the cathedral, and it is a gift to be with you this Christ the King Sunday. Is God among us or not? Is God among us or not? This is the question that exiles ask throughout the story of the Bible. It's a question that those asked in wilderness and captivity. It's the question of those in media ray or in the middle of things, wandering and longing for home. Perhaps you look at your world or the world you see online and it's hard to answer in the affirmative And the problem with that is, if there is no shepherd, then the world can be thought of in just sheep or wolves. Or if you're from Colorado, like I am, sheep and coyotes. Shortly after my parents moved to an isolated farm in Colorado, their only mountain neighbor showed up. He knocked at the door. And when they opened the door, no, hello, no, hello, my name is Leroy, he just said, I don't like dogs, I don't like kids, I don't much like people. <laughs> Keep those three things away from my property and we'll be fine. And then he left. <laughs> that was his introduction. That was their only neighbor on this mountain. But y'all, true story, by that Christmas, he was baking us fruitcakes. He became thicker than family. My, he became like a grandfather to me, Leroy. But every time I walked into his house, you would see coyote pelt, coyote pelt, coyote pelt and, in the living room, a bear that he shot on his property. And asked him, when I was seven, I asked him, I said, Leroy, why do you have those on the wall? And he said, it's a reminder of what lives outside my fence. Friends, it's hard not to live with coyotes on your wall. If God is not among us, then we either must search for a comfortable, quiet place of our own where we're free from trouble as much as possible, or we have to claw one another to get what we want. Today, the prophet Ezekiel invites us to imagine how God might be among us, even in the midst of the brokenness and chaos and clamoring of this world. So I invite you to open up with me to the, your, in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 34. That's on page 722 of your Black Few Bibles. Again, that's Ezekiel chapter 34. And while you're turning there, a little bit about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet to the kingdom of Judah. In his lifetime, he was a young priest when Jerusalem was conquered, or nearly conquered, but the king surrendered. So the king and several elites, a whole troop of them, were taken in captivity in Babylon. Ezekiel was among them. And so he was a prophet to the exiles in Babylon. And the Lord showed Ezekiel wild visions of a, of, a, of a cosmic chariot throne with God on top going in all directions. Ezekiel saw the destruction of the temple before it happened, hundreds of miles away. Ezekiel saw a valley of dry bones brought to life sinew by sinew. And he saw the temple once again, more glorious than ever, restored in God's presence coming down. That's what he got to see. And this our section today, our chapter today, begins after the people have found out that Jerusalem has fallen. This is God's first word of restoration to these exiles through the prophet Ezekiel. So beginning in chapter 34, verse one. A word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search or seek for them. In Ezekiel's world and in the ancient audience, kings and leaders thought of themselves like shepherds ruling over their people. It's a custom that goes back all the way to ancient Sumer. And so this prophecy is against Israel's leaders, the ones who acted like wolves or coyotes over their own people. And the exile that they're experiencing is a direct result of these leaders' negligence and failure and abuse. So to exiles who have witnessed and heard of the destruction of Jerusalem, Ezekiel proclaims that God has not abandoned them. And his restoration will begin with a change of leadership. And at that point, you might be thinking, all right, a change of leadership, that's not surprising. They failed. But what is surprising in this text is who takes over. And we see this in verses 11 and following. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all the places they have been scattered. And if you continue on, you see this over and over again, and I will bring them out from the peoples and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. I will feed them with good pasture. I will make them lie down. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will seek the lost. I will bring them back. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in my justice. Over and over in this word, the Lord emphasizes that he will be their shepherd. Now, you might be be wondering, okay, why not just do away with shepherds altogether? Why have any intermediaries? Why have someone overseeing? Couldn't the Lord, I mean, not just like snap his fingers and the sheep would come home? If that's what you're thinking, you haven't been around sheep very often, I can tell. (laughs) You don't get sheep by calling out to them. You don't get sheep by snapping your fingers at them. There's a reason that shepherd's staffs have a hook and not a megaphone, right? They need to be rescued. Someone has to tend and care for them. But what's more, throughout the story of the Bible, before anyone was in exile, the book of Genesis describes how God created human beings to be his ruling partners in the care of creation and one another. In the story of the Bible, someone has to be responsible for caring for others. So in a world where human beings have have rebelled against God and now live in exile from God's desire for them, the home he created this world for, God still displays his power by partnering with broken people. And the problem for these exiles is that their leaders have failed in this good work. But God will not go back on his promises. God will not let that promise fail. He will be their shepherd And he is the one who will judge the leaders for their failures, for their exploitation, to the sheep entrusted to their care. And so to the ones who became wolves over their own people, the Lord says in verses 20 through 24, he says, therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, to these failed shepherds, behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push aside with your shoulder and thrust all the weak ones with your horns till you've scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And then he makes a promise. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. The Lord promises to send a righteous king to unite and rule over his people. Now, to state the obvious, Ezekiel's prophecy here was against leaders, those with positional authority. But its significance extends to all those who care for others. For all who have been abused, exploited, harassed, afflicted, neglected, the Lord is for you. And for those who have abused, exploited, harassed, and neglected, The Lord stands opposed to you. So, hundreds of years after Ezekiel died, while their people were still in exile, a new David came. And when he saw the people around him, he described them, Jesus described them as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. They were still in exile. When Jesus came to Jerusalem for the last time, he picked up Ezekiel's prophetic role. Matthew chapters 23 through 25 are wild, y'all. One, read them. It's a whole thing. (laughs) I mean, read through Ezekiel, read through these chapters. You see this role of this, this wild, apocalyptic, unsettling message from Jesus. But Jesus is doing this intentionally. He's speaking in order to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Matthew 25 reveals two different ways of answering the question, is God among us or not? So beginning in verse 31, Matthew describes how the king, this coming king who comes on a throne, the son of man, which is a title used for the king coming in in the story of the Bible, how he judges his people. And for him, what is that relevant factor? What does he use to judge? Well, it says in verse 34, the king speaks, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you, for you from the foundation of the world. In other words, come home. The exile's over. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you? There... They were oblivious. When do we see you in hunger or thirst, naked or stranger? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Apparently, these exiles returning home were unaware that the king was among them the whole time. Christ was among the thirsty, for he is their king. Christ was among the strangers, for he is their king. Christ was among those lacking proper clothes, for he is their king. Christ was among those sick and imprisoned, for he is their king. Where there are exiles, where there are sheep scattered and battered and afflicted, Christ is present. For Christ is the king of the exiles, the great shepherd of those sheep. But unlike Ezekiel 34, this, war, this message to all people not, is not just to the leaders and those with positional authority. At the end of all things, it will become clear that the king was among them in the middle of things, in their exile. And for the king, how these people treat one another in exile is a relevant factor for his final judgment for just as those who loved their fellow exiles in ways they could receive were surprised at the king's presence, the others who neglected their neighbors were equally surprised at the king's presence and shocked at finding out that he was among them the whole time. As a friend, the scholar N.T. Wright summarizes, the likely meaning of this scene then is that those who have not followed Jesus the Messiah will be judged in terms of how they have treated those the people whom he counts as family. So if this is how the king will give a just judgment at last, how did this king of the exiles, how did he use his power when he was here? In exactly the ways that Ezekiel promised he would, he relentlessly sought the lost. He bound their wounds, he called them home He called out the careless and vicious leaders of their day and he laid down his life that others might live and escape death. He's not just the king of the exiles. He became one. He left his heavenly throne with choirs of angels and archangels singing in endless praise to walk down dirty streets with broken sinners in order to love them back to life. That's who he is. And so all the enemies that stand between his sheep and their home, from the powers of sin, death, and the devil, and all those who would call them allies, Jesus categorically defeated them by his cross and resurrection. Humanity never had a lower, more vile moment. When we were more, never a moment we were more like goats or wolves or coyotes than when we crucified Christ. We were all complicit in the cross I know I was, I was complicit in the cross. Yet in his wisdom and in his justice, God turned our greatest act of viciousness and violence inside out to become the way home for the exiles. That is the way that wolves and goats and coyotes become sheep, rescued by their good shepherd. For all of us have been both afflicted, harassed, and exploited and have done the same to others. And if that sounds harsh to you, remember what Matthew says. The king will judge the goats based off what was left undone. Somebody has to be responsible for caring for others, and every single one of us has both failed at that and been failed at that. The good news is Christ's cross overcomes our failures once and for all, and his resurrection allows us to live like exiles, no longer wandering aimlessly, but wandering on our way home. Last week, I wandered into Barnes and Noble for the first time in a while, and I got to play one of my favorite games, find the philosophy section. It's always small and very difficult, and it's tucked into a corner, and every time I go, I don't go very often, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. A lot more Nietzsche on the shelves this time around. But this time I, I finally found it and it was sandwiched between aisles and aisles and aisles of personal growth books, mountains of content teaching you how to get ahead, how to maximize your potential, how to live life up and to the right. All of them. All of them. All these aisles of books. And we want life to be that way. It shows what we value. We want life to be up and to the right. We want that to be the shape of our story, one step in front of the other. I can see what's coming, it's a gradual slope. If you remember your fifth grade math, Y equals MX plus B. That's the kind of life we want for ourselves. But the problem is there is no linear, linear life like that in a broken world, in a fallen world. And what's worse, in order to maintain the illusion that that might be the case, we would have to ignore or at the worst, exploit others to maintain that illusion. And that's what happens all the time. This life, this shape doesn't exist. And you might be experiencing grief and frustration and anger at the sense you're always in between, never fully settled and always on the way. Or you might just be happy to be having a moment of reprieve, delighting in the bit of a settled life right now. But wherever you are, friends, the gospel invites you and every person to understand your story as the story of an exile. Catholic scholar Corinne Carvalho puts it this way. She says, those who truly understand God's power are those for whom exile becomes part of their innate identity. Because we are still in the middle of things. We're more like backpackers, walking trails, winding down and around and not just up and to the right. Up and to the right. As Pete mentioned, this Sunday is Christ the King Sunday, and it culminates our liturgical year and the season of ordinary time. And it's a time associated with growth and transformation. But that growth and transformation, y'all, is not gonna be up and to the right, not gonna be a simple linear life. Today's text revealed that in God's eyes, we are exile. That is our story. And that's good news because Christ is the King to the exiles, he's the king of the exiles, not just those whose life seem up and to the right, up and to the right. For an exile sees baptism, Christian baptism, as identifying with that king, the king of the exiles, and that's the work that turns wolves, goats, and coyotes into his sheep under your shepherd's care. An exile receives holy communion as food for the journey. An exile sees this parish family as fellow travelers longing for home and healing. A Christian sees all their neighbors in some way or another as fellow exiles and treats them accordingly, for Christ is their king. And y'all, let's be honest, for most of us, Charleston is an easy place to be in exile. But that also means It's an easy place to miss the needs of your neighbors, an easy place to achieve or maintain an elite status. And again, Corinne Carvalho captures the heart of Ezekiel for his generation and every generation writing, the book calls on any generation's elite to recognize that an elite status is just an illusion, one that draws faith communities away from God. And this can be subtle. The church can forget that we are exiles in the middle of things. Yo, this building is a blessing, but it's not home. It was here before us and it will most likely be here after us. But for us, it's a way station. If we're backpackers, this is our campsite for the time. And you are welcome here as we make our journey home together. Friends, we, we journey trusting and acknowledging that Christ the King is already ruling and reigning. And the world, your neighbors will recognize his reign by the way you love your neighbors in the ways they can receive. That's our good work while we journey home. And along the way, we have to remember, we're invited to remember that friends, if Christ is good enough for the journey, how much more so will he be enough when he brings us home? If Christ, if you can be secure as an exile, if you can endure hardship and pain and suffering a story that winds and goes this way and the other, if you can be secure in that, how much more so will you be secure when, as a son and daughter, God brings you home? If this kind of sacrificial abandonment for the sake of the other love is how our king loves even his enemies, even those who are complicit in sin and death, how much more so? Will his love abound when we sit at that table, when he has restored heaven and earth to be the home he always intended? Is God among us or not? Friends, he is. The king is among us, and he is your shepherd. The king is with you as you journey. Amen? Amen.